Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of the Kingdom of Pod on the Believe Podcast Network, brought to you by Bet Online. Coming up, Brandon Huffman of 247 Sports. Details on Caton Hoser, the Boise State quarterback recruit to be. Whether or not he'll come to Boise State. What's the latest on Zach Hill, the former BSU offensive coordinator, and his involvement at those uh, with those recruiting violations, possibly at Arizona State? Jimmy Kimmel, L.A. Bowl, is that for real? Is it better than nothing for the Mountain West Conference? And Boise State's comparison to Central Florida getting played out in the national media increasingly as they head towards that collision at the bounce house in Orlando. What about the last eight years? How has Boise State and Central Florida matched up? And why does Central Florida pretty much own uh, the G5 now? Hey, the month of June's heating up. A ton of exciting sports action. Bet online is where you can find it. Basketball, hockey playoffs. We've got big matchups in baseball and prop bets and futures. Bet online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Go to the website today or use your mobile device to join and get a 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. So before the next tip off, the face off, or pitch, head over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Well, Jeff Case here in Flower Mound on a Father's Day Sunday. I'm headed to a Rangers baseball game courtesy of my daughter Jessica and my sons Taylor and Tyson all setting us up for a epic Rangers Twins game. <laughs> Father's Day special at the new Globe Life Field. Be interesting to see. They are leading Major League Baseball in attendance. Uh, with like only 27,000, but I'm sure some of those other big ballparks across the country are not at capacity. So be exciting to see just what that offers. Speaking of exciting, a lot of excitement around Boise State's possible 2022 quarterback commit. And Brandon Huffman's in the middle of it all. He's the national recruiting director for 247 Sports. I've known and talked to Brandon for years. And, you know, Brandon has a prediction of like six out of eight that he thinks St. John Bosco's quarterback uh, out of Los Angeles, Caton Hauser will end up and stay with Boise State, despite all these other reports that there's some Power 5 schools like Iowa, Michigan State, Duke, North Carolina, and others moving in on him. And he was even sort of entertaining the idea of visiting them with some unofficials or throwing for them. And so it created some, some controversy and some conversation. So I thought it would be good to go down that um road with with Brandon get an update on whether or not he thinks uh, that's going to happen and also we'll talk to him uh, about this conversation that's taking place online primarily this Brian Harson versus Andy Avalos and even Chris Peterson mixed in all, to all of that but first let's get to Brandon and let's get the update Brandon on whether or not you think that verbal soft verbal commitment that Caden Hauser the quarterback from St. John Bosco in Los Angeles will stick with Boise State or not. Well, I think he's pretty committed. I think with the plan at the end of the month that he originally had to take some unofficial visits and throw at some camps and now canceling those plans, I think that's obviously a positive sign for Boise State. Mm -hmm. I think the, you know, the fact that you know, there was other schools that were trying to get him to come and throw, that were trying to get him to come and camp, trying to come and visit. I, I think UCLA was easier for him to do just because it was right up the road. Uh, but I think it, it's the subsequent visits the subsequent camps and the new kind of addition this year the on-campus evaluations that schools have been given by the NCAA 
I think his, you know, initial willingness to accept that caused a little bit of trepidation, but I think subsequently he's, you know, decided not to take any of those visits. He was supposed to go down to North Carolina to go to Duke and then choosing not to do that. I think that probably calms some fears, but we got a little bit of the Hank Bachmeyer situation here where he's still heavily pursued. There's still schools that want him. Mm-hmm. And like with Hank, he spent an entire year. Is he really committed? Well, he was. And he never said he wasn't, but people just assume, well, he's got all these big schools. Surely they're going to football. And those schools and their fan bases say, well, he's got a commitment to a Mountain West school. We're an SEC school. We're an ACC school, a Pac-12 school. Surely we're going to football. And like with Hank, I I see this playing out like that, where they're going to have to worry. But, you know, it's watch what he does, not what he says. So is this the new normal, perhaps, with where kids are going to be headed with their verbals and then still looking at taking trips, like in Caden's uh, case, possibly to Michigan State, which kind of opened this whole door up? uh, Or is this a one-off? I I think it's a one-off because, remember, with with quarterback recruiting, it's so much about the spring evaluation period. And so when you now had two years in a row where there has been no spring evaluation period, but more importantly, you don't have – a summer camp period last year. And then this year you have to basically cram everything into a month. It's been 16, 17, 18 months before he was last in front of some schools. So I, I think it's just such a unique situation because of the pandemic closing down, recruiting the pandemic, obviously affecting the evaluation period for two straight years, uh, probably having everything compacted into the month of June in 2021. I don't think you're going to see this big of an issue because I think in the future, it's going to go back to, Hey, we're going to send a coach out to you to watch you throw at your spring practice. That's more the norm. And that's how it's traditionally been when it comes to quarterback evaluation. How would you compare Hauser to Bachmeyer? I think they're, they're a little bit different in styles. I think Hank was more of a traditional drop back passer. He was more athletic than I think people gave him credit for, but, you know, make no mistake. I mean, Hank was a pass first, pass second, pass third, pass fourth guy. Uh, There's a reason he's a 10,000 yard plus guy in the state of California. And, you know, his receiver, Marquis Spiker, uh, who went to the University of Washington and ultimately transferred, uh, you know, he ended up being one of the all-time leading receivers in California. Hank was just a traditional drop back and throw kind of guy. Whereas Caton is an athletic guy who can play, you know, I mean, he's a quarterback. He's not going to play another position. But he's also a guy that can beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his feet. He can make some plays happen, uh, you know, when he has to be thrown off platform, when, you know, the pocket collapses. He's going to still look to pass, but he's got some wiggles, some shiftiness, where he can make some plays and pick up some yards in the open field. And I think that that's something with Hank, you know, you you don't necessarily see. Like I said, I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. I wouldn't necessarily call Hank an athletic quarterback, but I would say Caden Hauser is a, a very much an athletic quarterback and a guy that can make some plays happen. But uh, again, he's going to be on a, I want to pass first, pass second, pass third type of guy too. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let me ask you about the crisis that could be coming in, in the recruiting business, especially if you're a high school junior going to be a senior and you're looking for scholarships for the 2022 cycle the super seniors, the transfer portal. I'm seeing some people saying there could be half as many kids getting full rides out of high school next year. What are you seeing on that? 
I, I think that's valid. And a lot of it's because, again, a lack of an evaluation period last year and this year, and just the inability to see all these kids at camps with everything being crammed in. I mean, you know, keep in mind, while college coaches are trying to go and do camps during the, the week, you know, they also have official visits to host on the weekend at the Sacramento State Megan camp that I was at the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. You, you saw coaches that would leave after a day because they had visitors coming in unofficially, officially, you name it. So even they can't give all of their attention to these camps. So that way, evaluations are a little bit more uncertain, unclear. Guys are playing four-game seasons, five-game seasons. Some guys didn't play any season. And at least with guys on the transfer portal, you have a context. You have high school film. You may even have some extensive college film from if they played uh, in, in any kind of role at the college they were transferring from. Uh, what was fascinating to me this week was when there was a junior college or there was a JUCO and a prep portion of the Sac State camp. And, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, I saw less coaches there than I did at the 20, 2026, 25, and 24 group. So it's like you're, it's even worse if you're a junior college player. In the past, you could go to a junior college and have a chance to get recruited and have a chance to get recruited by big schools. But now, unless you're a bounce back or a guy who was a you know a non-qualifier, if you're going to JUCO to go play at the FBS level, it's you know it's a barren time to to do it because schools would rather go in the portal and find a guy that they know, especially with now that you know now with the one-time transfer with no penalty. You could get a guy who leaves after a year, maybe after two years, and still has three years. With JUCOs, you're not trying to figure out clocks and eligibility. Mm-hmm. And I just think that you're going to see more and more schools go the portal route. And, you know, it, the thing is, it's a risk. I, I've talked to some guys that have gone to the portal, and then they pulled their name out because there was no traction. I've talked to others that, shoot, it was better than their high school recruitment. They had way more schools talk to them when they were in the portal than they did in high school. So it's there's no one size fits all about the portal, but I think coaches would rather go the portal route. All right. So, you know, speaking of trips and visits and about evals, uh, unofficials and officials, this Arizona state thing would concern for Boise state fans because Zach Hills, the offensive coordinator there, I think uh, any and all of us would hate to see him get wrapped up in something that could become you know, program wide, they could be accused of program wide. Who knows who was on those pass lists? You've you've been around it. I'm sure it's the talk of the recruiting world. What's what's the latest on what would a hill has has Hill's name come out of this? It seems like it's Pierce and and Herm that are only ones getting thrown out there name wise. Yeah, I mean I think you know to, to fans they see coaches all recruit and they assume all coaches carry the same equal amount of recruiting juice. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I mean you have some guys on staff that are there because their ability to get the Jimmys and the Joes rather than their ability to spell out X's and O's. You have some guys that, you know, their job is literally to just coach football. We don't want that guy recruiting because he's got zero people schools. But boy, <laughs> is he a great coach when it comes to film. Right. Uh, you know, he can spend and watch 38 hours of game film a day and fit that into 24 hours. And there's some guys that, you know, you, you don't necessarily want them having their own position group. But, boy, they are super connected in certain parts of the country. You want that to be the guy that's playing Xbox with these recruits and talking to them and recruiting them. Quarterback recruiting is, is so different in that, you know, especially when you're the offense coordinator. Your job is to coordinate the offense. Your job is to make sure that guys are fitting what you're doing schematically so that you're watching what the running backs coach and the receivers coach and the offensive line coach 
might be doing and might be bringing in that uh, fits. But when it comes to recruiting, you're really only recruiting your quarterback target. And because quarterbacks commit so much earlier in the process, you basically are, are done recruiting, you know, in the spring. Yeah, yeah. you're going to have some oversight of the other positional groups on that side of the ball. But the reality is the O-line coach is going to do that, you know, recruit the O-line. The running back coach is going to recruit the running back. Uh, I think that in the case of Zach Hill, you know, his biggest issue is obviously weathering all the bad publicity that they're going on because they had a big visitor this weekend at Arizona State, Nico mm-hmm. Martial. And I think that that, and interestingly enough, Nico Martial is also looking at Michigan State, which was recruiting Kate Hauser and it still is. So I think, you know, Zach Hill right now, his tunnel vision is probably on locking up Nico Martial, who's a local kid. He plays at Hamilton High School there in Chandler. So it, it's a fascinating thing to watch, but I don't think there's going to be nearly as much collateral damage as you think, just because some guys, they stay kind of in their own lane when it comes to recruiting. So let's stay on recruiting for a second. Then I want to get to the impact that the CFP expansion may have on group of five teams like Boise State in recruiting, Brandon. Uh, but you've had a chance now to to see the impact of Andy Avalos following up after Brian Harson. Two different personality types, but from the same program. Um, so what's your eval of what kind of excitement level Avalos has brought? Because nationally, Brandon, everybody talks about Central Florida now, especially the last five years. Boise State's not getting a lot of run for the talent on the field when it comes to the national football conversation and those media people about the group of five. You know, and it's nothing against Brian Harson, but I would say that it didn't seem like he ever quite captured traction, despite being a Boise State alum, despite being a part of those Chris Peterson staffs and those teams, he never seemed to quite connect with the fan base as a whole. And it seemed like even though he was an alum and, you know, obviously had incredible ties, it never felt like he was the guy. He wasn't revered like Chris Peterson was. He didn't have, you know, the, the personality like a Chris Peterson did. And, you know, Chris Peterson had his own unique approach to the media, but the guy won. He won consistently. He won big. He won big games. And I think Harson might have been a little bit more prickly, and, and maybe that was. But you look at a guy like Andy Avalos, and, I mean, you, you could say, yeah, you know, Kellen Moore is probably the greatest Bronco of them all, and at least since, you know, the, the average fan has been following him since the year. 2000 or so, but you look at Andy Avalos, it's like he almost defined Boise State in the 2000s. Yeah. On the impact of the expansion of the CFP, does that let Boise State get maybe some mid-major kids away from lower Pac-12 teams who then, you know, Oregon State saying the, the CFP's expanded, now we may get in. That's not going to ring as true as Boise State saying we may get in, right? No question. And I think you look at, just look at the NCAA tournament. I mean, you have in the year where the Big East kind of imploded from a football standpoint, and then the Big East basketball kind of rejuvenated itself, you saw all those schools that were in the Missouri Valley Conference that basically you had to win your NCAA or your, your conference tournament to make the NCAA tournament. The, the Creightons, the Xaviers, the Butlers are like, peace out. We're going to the Big East where you got six guaranteed berths. I don't think that you're going to ever see a point where the Mountain West is going to get multiple uh, berths to the CFP playoff, but I think it's going to become much more realistic to get a Boise State or a UCF or a Memphis. And the thing that I think, you know, helps Boise State is, yeah, did they lose the Mountain West last year to San Jose State? Sure. You know, did they lose it a couple of years ago to Fresno State? But I would say they've been easily the most consistent program 
in the Mountain West over the last decade. And you look at the at the American Conference. I mean, you've had Memphis that's done well. You've had UCF that's done well. I mean, Houston has done well historically. I, I think there's a more of a doggy dog world in the American Conference than there is in the Mountain West. And so, yeah, while a UCF might have been in line to to make a playoff more over the last five or six years than Boise State or the Mountain West champion has, I think the way Boise State's been built as a program, uh, you know, they become a victim of their own success where a 10 and three season might be considered a disappointment where a 10 and three season at 95% of the other group of five schools would be, you know, enough to get a coffee table book put together <laughs> of your season. So I think that, you know, with, with the thing with Andy Avalos too is Harson's name. Seem, I mean, and that's, that's comes with the territory when you're the head coach of Boise state, but with Andy, I mean, he was in a great situation at Oregon as the DC. And honestly, I thought he was putting himself in a great position to be the next coordinator hired as a head coach in the Pac-12. But he wanted to be in Boise State. His wife and kids wanted to be back in Boise. And I think that that gives you a little bit more insight into, you know, how much he loves that program, but mm-hmm. also what his long-term plan is for that program. And I think that with the way he's recruited, with the staff that he's put together, where he's got this great mixture of guys that have experience but are still relatively young who have the recruiting juice, the recruiting chops to get out there. You know, hiring some of the guys he did from UC Davis. Great recruiters, great coaches. Thanks once again to Brandon Huffman, the National Recruiting Director for 247 Sports, for that. And, you know, I just want to make one more uh, comment on something that Brandon has picked up on. And, you know, he talks to a lot of people that are – sort of online communicating about the school. He speaks to assistant coaches and people that follow college football and college football recruiting all over the country, really. So I think Brandon has a decent feel for what others are thinking and saying of of Boise State football. And I'll get to that a little bit later on what the story is that's building for this Central Florida-Boise State matchup and where people think these two programs are ranking against each other. But he made a comment about Brian Harson not necessarily <clears throat> engaging with the entire Boise State fan base. And that's a complicated issue to me, just going back through the years. Every coach in any program, really, without exception, perhaps to the Newt Rockneys of the world or Nick Sabans, you know, don't have... Those guys may not have many detractors, but even coaches, you know, like a Chris Peterson at the end of his tenure at Boise State had some detractors who couldn't let the, I guess, the short term of him leaving uh, get in the way of what he did for the the big picture for Boise State. And so they they had a problem with him, per se, in how he left or why he left, etc. So with Coach Harson, though, I know there was times all along his tenure where fans were not necessarily emotionally gratified, I think, by what they got from him in their in the interview opportunities. A, B, I think there there's some there was certainly some big game moments, which we'll talk about uh, when we start talking about Central Florida and Boise State that didn't work out for Boise State. Of course, they lost those games, or they'd have had they possibly would have had more New Year's Day six bowl game opportunities. There were the other home game losses that were first in decades for some fans uh, that Brian Harson had to endure. There were quarterback controversies. 
some of those types of things. Of course, the NFL draft wasn't as robust as it was at the end of the Chris Peterson era, but there were other drafts that were pretty good for Coach Harson. So I think, number one, Harson is always going to be compared to Peterson, and that transition was the most difficult of all time for any Boise State football coach, really, following up the legend of, of Chris Peterson in all ways that Coach Pete was perceived. Now, Brian Harson's personality was different in that I do think that he spoke to the team uh, through the media, and, and sometimes the, the fan who was the target of most media interviews, that's really what they're all about. Any media opportunity is to speak to the fan necessarily. Well, he turned it into talking to the team. It didn't always play well with fans who don't want to hear that as, as frequently, but Brian Harson thought it was important to communicate that way to get the results that he ended up getting. So you can't argue with however Coach Harson went about his business because I think he got to the results he wanted. And there were other reports or coaches that would leave or players that weren't happy with Coach Harson that would speak out. Almost any coach is going to get some of that. So that's not entirely unusual. He was in a much more aggressive social media era of college football where players had access to a microphone called their phone and Twitter, and they'd get out there and say different things. Yes, his personality is different. I don't know that Coach Harson's first priorities are to look at the human and personal side of things. I do believe at the age and the youth and the point of, I, I guess, the point where he was at with his head coaching career was really as much about how he needed to focus himself to get the most out of his football team. And however he had to do that is what he was willing to sacrifice. And so Coach Harson was the kind of guy that was completely focused on that process. And the other things that come along with being a professional manager weren't necessarily as high of priority for him and could could get in the way at times. And I think as he changes as a human being, as we all do, that may change down the road. I, I Well, it'd be interesting to see how that happens for him at Auburn. And I don't mean his reaction to the pressure of the SEC or playing Alabama. I just mean as a human being. See how he evolves because he's a smart man, and that's probably what he'll do. You know, Andy Avalos right now is undefeated. He represents hope. He has a, a sunny disposition. And I don't mean any disrespect because I love Andy Avalos, but I'm also going to give him the latitude to change because he's going to change too. And it's not all going to be for the better when you start getting putting yourself in Andy Avalos' shoes. He, he knows that. Anybody who's been close to a football coach knows that. And fans may come to see a different side. as probably a pretty hardcore guy that we, we don't always see. Uh, because he hasn't had to be in that position. But he has some pretty high lofty goals, and he really holds people accountable. I'm going to get to the mixed bag for the Mountain West Conference with Jimmy Kimmel. But in the meantime, if you watch Shark Tank, you probably know about Moink. This is a farm-fresh home delivery service for beef, bacon, chicken, salmon. A lot of people love their bacon, for example. And just think about this for a second. Why do four companies control 80% of the U.S. meat industry? Well, that's because big food is crushing the little guy out. And you can help change that if that's important to you with a moinkbox.com delivery. 
Why are 97% of the chicken served in the U.S. dipped in chlorine? Well, it's simple because the big food guys don't have the same quality standards as the family farm. And that's why you need boinkbox.com. The best bacon, best steak, chicken, and the best salmon you'll ever eat won't come from the grocery store. You'll find it on the family farm, and it's caught by independent Alaskan fishermen. That's why you need boinkbox.com. Join the Moink movement today. Get it? Moink. Moo and pink and uh, pig. So go to moinkbox.com slash believe right now. And if you're listening to this, you're going to get free bacon for a year with every box that you order. Okay? So that's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. Spell it out for you. M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. B-L-E-A-V. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. A lot of news headlines made. Just this last week about Jimmy Kimmel and the L.A. Bowl title sponsorship. Full disclosure, uh, I work for a company that does work alongside ESPN events selling bowl sponsorships in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and across the country if I so choose or get that opportunity. So I'm somewhat familiar with this process, not as well well, uh, briefed as the people who actually did the deal or many other people in the bowl business, which is getting a bad rap right now. Uh, You'd have to be in the business to understand how hardworking most of these people are, Uh, especially if you're involved with the ESPN events people. That's a lean, mean, uh, businessly focused machine. So a whole different world. And the L.A. Bowl is not part of the ESPN events family of events. It's owned by the L.A. Rams and the people there at the SoFi uh, Stadium. So when they put the sponsorship together with Jimmy Kimmel to be a sponsor of SoFi Stadium. I'm sure Kimmel and his people at Disney's and ABC's, these people were all thinking, oh, all right, well, um, you know, good exposure for the show. Uh, A lot of events take place in this big stadium, like concerts or uh, L.A. Rams football or other big events are going to be coming through there. And as part of his sponsorship, he had sort of a menu to choose from. And one of those menus was title sponsorship or ownership of this game that was coming to SoFi, the L.A. Bowl. And so he took it, and he's going to be the title sponsor. That's how it happened. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm telling you that's how it happened. Now, uh, for the hardcore college football fan, uh, take it personally. Uh, To me, uh, the same group who says we have too many bowl games um, uh, really has an an issue with these types of sponsors and, and these types of sponsorships. Uh, again, I don't think it's a right or wrong. I, I understand the pride, the ownership, uh, the investment that a lot of us have in college football. Uh, I, of course, have a business angle on this whole thing, so I have a different uh, perspective, but that's for me personally. Uh, I do know this. For those of us that say there are too many bowl games out there, you know, I represent the Frisco Bowl, the First Responder Bowl. I could work with the Armed Forces Bowl. These are three Dallas-Fort Worth bowl games. And some of you may think, well, we don't even need those games. Well, there's charities involved. Uh, There's a lot of people who benefit it. Uh, There's 98% of the kids who will play in these games that never go to the NFL or really won't even have a dream of getting there. They'll never even get the opportunity. So they enjoy these opportunities to play. Fans support it. Thousands and thousands of people uh, attend it. College football uh, gets the attention from the whole thing. And, you know, think about it. When I hear the complaints about too many bowl games out there, uh, there's too many six and six teams being rewarded or five and seven teams or whatever the numbers are. I think, OK, what that shows me is the, the very fortunate opportunity that the sport still has with those people who care so much that they would like to see less of it because they think that would be more of it. 
I would compare it to how many people bitch about there being too many movies online? How many people bitch about there being too many broadcasts of whatever comedy type of series you want to name? Now, we have a proliferation of choice now of all the Netflix and Prime Video uh, produced uh, television shows or streamed shows, even feature movies. So nobody bitches about that, right? Because you just take what you want. But people care so much about college football that they do bitch about it. So I think it's a good sign. Now, as it relates to Kimmel and why he's doing this, look, Kimmel's making moves right now. He's a solid number two in late-night TV. He's behind Stephen Colbert. Um, and for the first time ever, when you look at the total ratings picture, he's ahead of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon for the first time. He's got about 1.75 million audience compared to the 1.54 that Fallon has. So that's a significant grab. Now, what will this bowl game do for him? I don't know. I don't think most of the hardcore L.A. Bowl uh, television viewers are, are going to be watching Jimmy Kimmel necessarily. Uh, there's a lot more people just in interested in having a laugh that are watching Jimmy Kimmel and they're not necessarily sports fans secondarily so I, I don't see that uh, could he do some stunts for pregame and halftime stuff yeah that will help with viewership it's a sideshow it's a distraction from the game it's just a much different distraction from the game than having Dr. Pepper do a halftime football toss for millions of dollars in scholarships okay it's much different than that it's probably more egregious uh, than pre- or halftime concerts that are all the rage that take place in some of our bigger uh, sporting events across different sports, not just uh, football. But it's really all just entertainment. I think where we all draw the line is if Kimmel is going to marginalize the game, and that really isn't the right approach. I don't believe all publicity is good. I don't believe that. I, I do believe that if you have the right or wrong person saying things that are slanderous or degrading about a product that they're representing or associated with, that's not a good look. That's not what you want. Um, as it relates to Kimmel's background, I'm on the side of comedians, that they're trying to help people be entertained, and I completely understand those that support, well, they're trying to entertain you with the N-word or in blackface or making fun of a pillow salesman or degrading women by uh, stuffing bananas down their pants and asking them to touch it so i get all that uh i'm just not on that side of it I'm, I'm on pick and choose he has a right to say what he wants to he's trying to be funny it's not funny to you there's plenty of other people that are saying things that aren't funny as well do i think it's the greatest of fits for the overall college football landscape maybe not is it a great fit for the la bowl fighting for attention yeah i think there's some players That'll be playing in this game because of the Jimmy Kimmel opportunity. And maybe you'll get a kid out of that fifth-place Pac-12 team that's a top two, three-round pick in the NFL draft that knows that he's going to get an appearance on the Kimmel show, that he's going to go uh, to the Kimmel show because he wants the followers because he can turn that into cash. So that could help. This is a game desperate for attention, and desperate for attention in the Southern California market is, is almost the kiss of death. You're competing with the Lakers, the Dodgers, USC, UCLA, the Rams. 
There's there's way too much there for this game, I think, to have huge success anyway. So I'm a little concerned about its long-term health. I think in the, with the right matchups, some Boise State fans are going to travel probably not as easy as they did down to Las Vegas. Totally different experience traveling down to Los Angeles by car to play a fifth-place team out of the Pac-12 when, when they've done it you know, six or seven times already to Vegas. So I, I just think it's going to be a, a real different opportunity. Uh, but I do think for the L.A. Bowl, it was probably a good idea. All right, let me get to this last point. Uh, there's been some more attention coming to Central Florida, and you're going to see more of it if you subscribe to The Athletic. And I just was curious, and I, you know, I looked at over the last eight years, since 2013, you know, how these two teams fared uh, in a head-to-head comparison of some, some key things. First of all, who's won more games? Well, Boise State has. Uh, they've won 77 games in this time period versus Central Florida's 68 victories. The challenge is, since 2013, Boise State has only one New Year's Day Six Bowl appearance, and that's in that first Fiesta Bowl against Arizona. On the other hand, Central Florida in that same time period has three New Year's Day Six appearances, and they've won twice in the Fiesta Bowl, the Peach Bowl. Yes, they lost that last Fiesta Bowl, but that's three appearances. That has a way of getting people's attention and changing the conversation. For Boise State, the critical missed opportunities in 2017 and 19, well, that that, that hurt them nationally, and, and we'll examine more about that and how that stuff happened. But in the meantime, the attention's even more slanted towards Central Florida because they've got a great national story with Gus Malzahn. If 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 you are nothing more than a a salesman like me, and all, you're a college football writer, right? You you know that if you write about Gus Malzahn, you're going to get all the people who followed him at Arkansas, who hated him against Arkansas, who excuse me Auburn, who who hated and loved him there, which is millions of people, and and you're going to write about him and his ascension to central florida and you're going to get a big audience versus what are you going to get out of the fans of the oregon defensive coordinator andy avalos not much there's not a national storyline following whether or not andy avalos is, is going to be a huge hit at boise state so there's a lot of disrespect there because there isn't enough audience potential in the short term for these guys to invest in that they have met Andy, they love him, they know him, but they're looking at their business bottom lines like salesmen and going where the biggest sales opportunity is, and that's going to be with Central Florida. So they're being promoted. I do believe this will produce a chip on the shoulder, Boise State wanting to knock uh, hard on Central Florida. I just don't know if they're ready in terms of scheme, their backs, their defensive backs, their back, uh, back seven or who knows, eight. They've pulled off these kinds of things before. It's going to take that kind of effort to do it again. I hope you did enjoyed uh, this edition of the Kingdom of Pod. It's a weekly podcast for Boise State football. Get it wherever you get your podcast. Rate it, review it, pass it on. Uh, we'll be ramping this thing up. Hope you enjoy. If you're listening to this on Sunday, Father's Day, enjoy that. Uh, we'll be getting much closer now to more and more news coming out as the Mountain West Media Days get closer, and we'll give you all the information about that as well. Thanks to Bet Online. Enjoy your day. Talk to you next week.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.